All right, the Red Triangle Sports is back after quite the hiatus. Um, <clears throat> we took off shortly after the fantasy playoffs, I believe, and we've been off through most of baseball season. Um, just haven't had the the interest to get into baseball on a pod level right now. We've been playing daily a lot, but I feel like baseball you gotta do a, you gotta do a pod daily, and we just don't have the time for that. And by we, I mean Steel Curtain, Eddie Mitchum, joining me. How's it going, buddy? Ready to rock and roll, Matt. <clears throat> I think I did months ago to start doing football podcasts. Yes. It's that time here where I start to get a little tingly. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm your host, Matt Kozlowski. Don't think I mentioned that. Not that anyone really cares. Um, the Denver Desert Dog, for those in the league. Uh, but yeah, we're... The tingly reference is to Shane. Shane, you know what we're talking about. Um, we'll get Shane back on once we get closer to the season. Shane's in the middle of the uh, Legion baseball playoffs right now. Southern area. Wish them best of luck up in the uh, Schuylkill Burks League. But so here's our um, start to our preseason podcasts. <clears throat> and Ed and I were talking about what format do we want to go through, and we kind of settled on going by divisions. Um, think that's a good way to touch every team and still do a good enough dive into each team um that we can get enough information and not feel too pressed if we go by positions is that kind of your reasoning for wanting to do it this way um yeah i think it just i think it just allows us to kind of short <clears throat> touch on in small areas and about specific guys rather than miss it and breeze it over people yeah, so today we're going to start with the NFC South. Um, good place to start, fantasy-wise, I think. There's a lot of fantasy goodness in this division. I was just looking, like, <clears throat> I put that out randomly, said, let's start with the NFC South. But, like, as I'm looking, this this might be, like, the most fantasy-packed division there is, yeah. I think, this year, coming up. Well, Potentially. Yeah, Tampa added a bunch. Atlanta was awesome last year. Um New Orleans, just the fantasy stalwart as long as number nine's under center there. Or in the shotgun, I should say. (laughs) (laughs) And then Carolina, um, I think a very intriguing team when it comes to fantasy. So we're going to start off with the NFC, the reigning NFC champions, the Atlanta Falcons. And we're just going to kind of go through and we'll talk about the team on an overview level first. So the Atlanta Falcons... um, have to be due for a little bit of regression this year, correct? Yeah, I think what they did last year was pretty out of the norm. They were obnoxiously good last year for fantasy. Um, was Matt Ryan the number one quarterback? I don't even remember. It's a good question. Here, I'll pull that up a while while you... Uh, just talk a little bit about how you feel about Matt Ryan. How I feel about Matt Ryan. Um, you were the only guy on him last year. I feel from, burnt. From our podcast. I, I rode you guys hard. <laughs> I have a good year. Got no shares of him anywhere. Didn't have... It was kind of like one of my like bold predictions, but didn't really like go on it. Um, and he sure did. Um as far as the team this year, I think it's going to be very interesting to see um, 
Um, I know we try not to take a lot out of preseason in camp, but I want to see what the offense looks like, not as far as like players, but just what kind of things they're trying to do with Sarkeesian there. I'm not a huge fan of Sarkeesian, but I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do. They certainly still have all the weapons back. Um, and some that came on late in the season that we'll probably touch on here in a, in a little while. But I think that's the big piece for me is, is do they take a step back with the coordinator change? Um, I think they I think they could have repeated what they did last year if they didn't have the coordinator change. But that's going to be the big question mark that people are looking towards towards the season here. Uh, Matt Ryan was the number two quarterback last year. We forgot about that guy in Green Bay. <clears throat> who was the only play he was playing one on 11 the whole second yeah. half of the season. <clears throat> um, but Matt Ryan last year, he had um, 38 touchdowns and seven picks. <clears throat> 38 touchdowns, I think. I don't know if he can repeat that. Your thoughts on that? I don't think he quite gets there. I think he's still going to. I think he's got... <laughs> great targets still. I think the offense is still going to go. Um, and I still think that there's going to be some question marks in that division defensively. I still think the Saints are going to be a team you can attack. So, um, I don't know overall what their strength of schedule looks like. I didn't pull that up. Um, but I still think I still think there's some soft games on the schedule. So, I still think he's going to have a nice year. We currently have him sixth in our projections for the early going here. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, off the top of my head, who are the guys we have ahead of him? That quarterback. Um, Aaron, Roger. Rogers, Luck, Brady, Wilson, and Winston. Wow. That we might have to revisit that. <clears throat> you feel like JBU's top? Well, we'll get to JBU when we get to Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, so Matt Ryan. The interesting thing with him last year. Um, 34 points behind, 32 points behind Rodgers. Rodgers had four touchdowns rushing. Matt Ryan had none. So that's a big piece of that. But Ryan did his, compared to Rodgers, in 76 less pass attempts. So the the per pass production was insane for Matt Ryan last year. Um, I could see that staying. Um, mainly because they have some big play receivers. Julio, Sanu, Gabriel. I think a huge part of that is just how balanced they were. Like, and I talk about it all the time, how much play action helps. They killed people without having numbers and, and data in front of it. Just, you know, the eye test. I feel like they killed people in play action. But the two backs they had, when they finally got healthy and rolling with Freeman and Coleman, I feel like that just allowed them to do so much offensively. Yeah, both those running backs, you know, you get into some of these teams and <clears throat> when one running back's on the field, it's like 90% guarantee it's a run or a pass, like you know right away, most of the time depending on the, the formation and who's in there, but with either one of these guys, <clears throat> you never know if it's a run, pass, what it's going to be. Yeah, I agree. Um, how do you feel about the workload between Freeman and Coleman? Still a, I don't want to say a heavy shade towards Freeman, but I think that's what it is. For lack of a better term, I guess I should say. Yeah, I, I think Freeman's still the guy. Um, I think that, that again, is going to come back to what 
what Sarkeesian does because it seemed like Coleman really turned into kind of the pass catcher. Uh, a couple carries here and there, um, but they're they're certainly not. It's weird because they like they don't have like a goal line guy. So it almost seems like whoever's in is in kind of like when they get that, you know, they give drives away. So um, I think it could change on like a per game basis. Uh, but yeah, I think it still leans pretty heavily uh, towards Freeman. We ha- I have him at about a hundred more carries than Coleman. Yeah, and the the touchdowns, I think you have to lean towards Freeman. I mean, Coleman showed that he's a big play guy and that he can find the end zone when he's in, but just because of those touches alone, I think you can look at Freeman for 10 to 14 total touchdowns. Definitely, uh, I think in the MFL 10s we've been doing, I think he's been falling um, into the late first round. Has that been pretty consistent? Yeah, I think, and a couple... Maybe one or maybe one or so he was like on the turn, uh, but yeah, I think he's been mid to late first round. He's definitely a first rounder in my opinion. You would agree with that? Yeah, I think so. We haven't had the luxury um, of having him yet in the first round, but we've been in the middle of the round, so we've been getting ourselves a lot of uh, that back end of the top wide receiver one tier, um, and then Freeman's not there, and we come back around second. And the one opportunity I think we would have had to get Freeman, I think we went with McCoy, Shady McCoy, because I think we just like him a little better right now. Um, how do you feel about Austin Hooper for them? Tight end's always been a kind of a big, big spot in the Matt Ryan offense. Um, I think Hooper could be a sleeper this year at tight end. Yeah, I think so too. He kind of came on late in the season. It took him a little while to get going. Um, but I think if they add that piece they're going to be a heck of a lot better. Um, I think if you can get someone with big bodies, make make deep respected between the hashes, I think it's going to help Julio. And, I mean, it's going to help immensely. So, yeah, I think I think that's very true. It could be a sleeper option, but uh, it's so hard. I just don't know if the volume would be there. It's just I have a hard time picking – weaker guys that could like break out on teams that just have so many mouths to feed and I think that's what you run into with Atlanta alright who's the player you like the most on the Falcons um <laughs> I think it's still obviously Julio for me um barring any sort of injury you know I think you could get I think you could bet he's probably gonna miss a game and like or at least not finish one or you know here and there get dicked up but I think for me it's still him. Um, he's still that that early mid first round guy, and I think it, you can't really go elsewhere. No, he's so steady. Um, but yeah, the, you have to m- plan on him maybe missing a game or two. And I think as Papa Cos puts these bird legs. <clears throat> so, um, but no one loves Julio more than Papa Cos. So. Um, yeah, he's definitely the player I think you have to like most on the Falcons with Freeman being a close second. Um, <clears throat> but a lot to love there with those two guys, especially Julio. The, the one MFL 10 that we got him in, we got him at pick seven. And um, I think that's great, great value for Julio Jones. But usually you're going to see him in that four or five, four, five, six range. Who's the player you like the least on the Falcons this year? Hmm. 
terms of fantasy relevant guys, I just don't know how I feel about a guy like Taylor Gabriel. I mean, we have some pieces of him in NFL 10, but that's because it's the best ball league. Um, I see a lot of like Deshaun Jackson with him. I think he's going to be a tough guy to get in there every week. I feel like if you get that big 60-yard catch up him, you're going to be eaten that week. But I feel like you could get some low, you know, two, three, four-point weeks that could cost you if he is an everyday or every-week starter in your lineup. So I think he might be the one I'm – it's not that I like him least. I think I'm just most cautious about him. Because I don't think there's anyone that I don't like on the team as far as the top-tier guys. Yeah, in our league, we play two wide receivers and two flexes. So in our league, I think he's a sure starter in one of those flex spots most weeks. But, yeah, you could definitely get burned. Um but I'm interested to see what Gabriel does in this offense in another year taking a step forward because <clears throat> that number two receiver has never really been a clear thing since Roddy White's been gone or since Julio's been the two. You know, it was Roddy and Julio forever. And they've been really needing a second threat on the outside. Um, I think Gabriel could be that guy because I don't think... I mean, Sanu's okay. But he's he's the, there's no upside like there is with Gabriel in that sense. Yeah, I think I'm intrigued by Sanu though. I, he's more of for me in a, in a weekly league where you're setting lineups. I think I'd rather have Sanu because I think he's gonna be more steady. I mean, he got 81 targets last year. That's not bad for a number two. Um, I don't know. I mean, we're considering regression here. But he had 11 yards to catch. Only four touchdowns, but that's that's right on par with what he's done in his career. So, um, I'm intri- I'm intrigued by him. I think he's got a I think he's got a higher floor, not as high as a ceiling. Oh, absolutely. The more steady guy than Gabriel. I guess the player I like the least, and maybe this is relative, <clears throat> but I think it'd probably be Matt Ryan for me. I probably like him least because. I think the price you're going to have to pay to get Matt Ryan, I don't think I'm going to be interested in that. Um, You know, he may fall to maybe the back end of QB1. Maybe you could get him as 8th, ninth, 10th quarterback in a snake draft format. Um, And I'd I'd like him there, but I think it's more likely he falls into the back end of the top five in snakes. And that's just not where I'm looking to pick a quarterback. I'm either trying to maybe get in the top ones and – go get Rodgers or Brady or Luck um, or wait for maybe an Eli or an Andy Dalton or a Mariota there at the end of the first tier. I'm not usually in on that middle tier. Um, maybe an oversight on my part, but usually I think in round six, seven, eight, I'm trying to get some wide receiver and running back depth in those, in those rounds. I agree. I think the thing that made him so great last year that he probably, I mean, I'm just guessing, but I would imagine he was probably like QB 15, 16 off the board last year. I mean, he. I think he was undrafted in most leagues. Yeah, I mean, and then I think this year, I think this year he's probably going to go like QB 7 or 8. I mean, which is probably fair to say where he finishes. But like, I don't think you're going to, I think the what you pay for him is what you're going to get best. And I think there's a lot more potential for him to not give you that than there is for him to give you that. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll allow that. Thank you. Thank you for allowing that. 
Um, most breakout potential for the Falcons, it's probably Taylor Gabriel, but I'm going to throw out Tevin Coleman as having most breakout potential. He's an injury away from being a top 10 running back. Yeah, for sure. Um, Gabriel, <clears throat> Gabriel kind of broke out last year, um, so I don't know. This is what I wanted to say about Gabriel, too. I forgot when we were talking about him. I think he's going to be... Um, a sexy wide receiver three in DFS most weeks. I could see him being a tournament play a lot. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, probably not. Ca- probably not in cash games, but yeah, because the big play potential is certainly there. Um, breakout player. I, th- I think you're right. I think it's between those two. Um, Coleman's carries goes up. He's certainly a home run threat. I'm kind of interested to see which which receiver emerges between uh, Roberts and Hardy. I think <clears throat> that target could could be not huge value, but I think, like you said, if Sanu goes down or something, or even Gabriel, because he's not a huge guy, if one of those guys steps up, um, I think that they could end up being one injury away from a lot of targets as well. Yeah, and I think you'd have to mention Hooper there, maybe, um, just because of touchdowns. You said Sanu had four last year. Um, the running backs had a ton last year um, in terms of passing touchdowns. And we've already seen a couple years where Julio doesn't find the end zone a lot either. So the touchdowns have to go somewhere if Matt Ryan's going to be in the mid to low 30s. And I could see Hooper being a goal line target for him um, in the red zone. So he could definitely be a guy that definitely falls into the tight end one uh, rank at the end of the year. We uh, we don't we didn't really do a lot of prep on defense, but I'm just curious. Is this a defense you would consider targeting? Um, the pe- pass rush was definitely there last year. Vic Beasley was a monster. Uh, tough division, though, to play defense in, too. Yeah, real tough. I don't know if I'm targeting them, but, you know, that's... It might be something in, like, a best ball league. If you, you know, that second defense in one of the last couple rounds, it might be worth it. Like you said, the pass rush was there. They're young. They flew around last year. You think they're going to get better, um, the defensive-minded head coach. So, I mean, I could see it. All right, and finally, who's the team fantasy MVP for the Falcons? Who's the guy that's going to be the most valuable at the end of the year in terms of where you get him on draft day to his finish? I will go with Devontae Freeman. I'm going to take the easy way out and just say Julio. I think he's going to he's I think he's a safe first rounder. Um so I think he's just going to he's steady. And the one thing I never want to do in the first round is give myself a chance to lose with my first round pick. That's why that's why I've been targeting A.J. Green in the first round of a lot of drafts because I just think there's so much safety there. And as much as I love a Melvin Gordon or a LaShawn McCoy this year, I think that can be one that could maybe hurt you. But the guys like Julio and A.J. Green, they're just safe. 
All right, let's move over to Tampa Bay. Lot, lot of new faces in Tampa. Um, bringing in Deshaun Jackson, bringing in OJ Howard in the draft. Um, you're a Jeremy McNichols guy right now, I think. And uh, maybe we'll see some more Doug Martin than we saw last year due to injuries and suspension and um, items like that. So what do you think about Tampa right now as far as a general overview? I think they've got a lot of weapons. Um, I think if they can get good production on the ground and keep a solid running game and stay balanced like I think they want to and allow Jameis to do the things he's good at, I think this could be an explosive offense. Yeah, right now we got Jameis pegged for 32 touchdowns, 16 picks, um, and three touchdowns on the ground. So that's that 35 combined touchdowns is what I think propels Jameis up into the top five in our initial ranks. Um, I may have been a year early on the Jameis breakout. I had him pegged last year as a guy I was targeting. I don't want to say he was disappointing, um, but he definitely didn't finish as highly as I thought he would. Uh, he was not bad last year. 28 touchdowns, 18 picks, only one score on the ground. We have a slight uptick there for him on uh, rushing touchdowns, but I think part of that with us pegging him up there is the uncertainty in the running game for Tampa. Where do you where do you stand in that running game right now? I mean, we got Martin. Dougie Doug's missing the first three games, so that's some questions. I mean, maybe that helps him. Maybe that keeps Miles off the tires, so when he comes back in, he, maybe he's less injury prone. Um, they went with McNichols in the draft because I think they kind of know that Martin's been seemingly in and on and off that team with reports like they love him one week and don't the next it's always a mystery um I still think Martin's the guy once he comes back but I think the interesting thing to watch in the first three weeks when he's gone is who solidifies himself as the number two I think that's up for grabs um I don't think Charles Sims is part of the equation so we'll we'll see what happens there I'm not sure if he's going to make it out of camp uh, I think they liked what they got with Jaquiz Rogers last year, and drafting McNichols tells me something. Are you out on Sims in general, or if he were to land on a new team, would you be more interested, or is it just because this situation is so um, crowded and the receiving targets, I think, are so intriguing that you're just out on Sims in Tampa? Are you out on Sims altogether? I don't know how I feel about him. Last year he was kind of pegged as the guy that you could draft and start because he was going to be that third down guy and get looks no matter what, even if he wasn't the one. It just didn't It didn't really pan out. I felt like I stole him in our draft last year for the price I got him for. I couldn't tell you what it was. But, I mean, he ended up, ended up not being that guy at all. I mean, I got better mileage out of the couple weeks I picked up Jaquiz Rogers wire and used him, so... I don't know. I'm just not sure if he's good. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I just think this is going to... I'm not sure this team's going to be very good either. So that's why I'm not, I don't think, excited about the running game. And I'm more excited about the passing game. Um, I don't know. Their defense was atrocious last year. 
and found themselves always having to throw to stay in games, and I'm not sure that changes. Um, we haven't really talked about Mike Evans yet, so let's talk about Evans and Deshaun Jackson. How much are they going to help each other in this passing game? Well, I think Deshaun Jackson helps Evans immensely. I mean, I think he helps Jameis immensely, too. I mean, that's why we have such an uptick on Winston's numbers. They just didn't have a number two last year. I mean, Evans was still pretty good last year. Without a number two, he got all the coverage. So I think it's going to help him big time. Um, I think Jackson still has some juice left in the tank. I think he can still take the top off of coverages. And I think I think you're going to have to play a safety over top of him at all times. I think he's been that way since he's been in the league. He can't really cover him with a bump and run corner. So I think getting a safety over top of him up a lot of stuff. I think it's going to open up the middle of the field too. I think they're going to see a ton of two high safeties because I mean when you got Evans on one side, Jackson on the other side. Um, I mean that could that could going back to what we were just talking about. That could help the run game big time. Um, and then you add Howard to the mix with Bray, two guys that can be. I mean Howard more than Bray in terms of mismatch nightmares. Um, I think with his athleticism, I mean, it's kind of. Kind of scary in the passing game, I think. No, I agree. And O.J. Howard, just a guy that I I don't know where I want to fall on him yet because I see so much there that could make him so productive in this offense. But I've been burned by rookie tight ends before, and it just it's definitely scary. Yeah, I agree. The thing that keeps making me... I'm not sure which one I like more, Brait or Howard. I think Brait still gets the touchdown edge because he's just a red zone threat, and I don't think that goes away. Um, but Howard's a matchup nightmare. But yeah, and the thing that makes me circle back to him so much is how much Jameis loves his tight ends. Being being a Florida State fan, I watched him just beat up tight ends with targets. I mean, Nick O'Leary can't even find the field in Buffalo behind. Charles Clay, and he was great at Florida State. So, I, I'm, Jameis is a guy that's going to use the tight ends. So, it's very interesting. A lot of two two tight end sets, I think, coming. Well, the only guys we have pegged for more targets than Mike Evans right now in our initial ranks are Michael Thomas and Antonio Brown. Um, we have them tied for most targets in the league. Um, and then we also have Evans uh, projected right now for the most touchdowns as at the receiver position tied with Jordy Nelson, who just has a way of scoring touchdowns in that offense. Um, so we're definitely high on Evans. Uh, I want to find where we stand on Deshaun Jackson. Right now he's our 42nd wide receiver. Um, still him at 112 targets for the year. Um, I guess it's the touchdowns. We only have him at five touchdowns right now, but I think that's a fair number. I think there's some, there are definitely some concerns about Jameis and his deep ball, correct? Um, yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, he's willing to throw them, though, which is intriguing. I mean, he, he'll take his shots. He's kind of got that little, a little bit of a gunslinger about him, uh, which I think is interesting. But, yeah, it's hard to give Deshaun Jackson more than five touchdowns because they're going to have to come from 30 or more. All right, who's the player you like the most on Tampa Bay? Well, again, easy way. Yeah. 
Any other real contenders for that other than Evans? No. Not Jameis for you? No. Where, where do you stand on Jameis? We, I mean, we haven't we we don't have any of him yet in MFL tens. I think his price has been ridiculous. Yeah, he just with the one we're doing. We're in the middle of our fifth MFL ten, and he just went fifth quarterback off the board, very pick after Andrew Luck. So, I mean, with the philosophy we've been employing, it's either wait or go or get Brady or something. Along those lines. Yeah, he, that, he kind of falls into what I was talking about with Matt Ryan in terms of um, being in that middle tier of the first 10 to 12 quarterbacks, and that's not where we have been living right now. So, who's the player you like the least on Tampa Bay? Uh, I think it's got to be Doug. I think it has to be, too, because the three-game suspension... If he misses two with injury, like he seems like he always does, I mean, the value is going to be pretty low. And he's either been really, really good or really, really bad when he's been in there. Um, not necessarily anything that we've been wanting to subscribe to. So We def- do have him in one spot, though. Yeah, but I think he was our third or fourth running back in that team. Yeah. So I'd be good with him. I'd be good with him as my, like my second flex in our league. Um, like I'd be okay with that, but definitely not someone that I'm targeting. Um, who has the most breakout potential, Tampa Bay? Uh, deep sleeper. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride that McNichols train. I think. <laughs> I think if he gets the touches. Those first three weeks, and if he can jump over Rodgers, I think he's going to be a piece to what they're trying to do. I think he's dynamic. I think he's kind of dual threat, and he just he seems like kind of a model NFL running back to me. I'm going to go with O.J. Howard here with most breakout potential, um, just mainly because there's six tight ends that I feel you know rock solid about. Jordan Reed, Greg Olson, Gronk, who I can't even say I feel rock solid about, but he is just, he is that talent. Um, Kelsey, Delaney Walker, and Eifert. After those top six, you know, you get into Jimmy Graham, Ebron, Zach Ertz, Rudolph Henry, Jack Doyle. They're all okay. Um, and I'd be okay with having them. But O.J. Howard, I think there's a clear path to him being a top ten tight end this year. I can see it. Yeah. I think if he gets in that top ten, I don't think he sneaks in. I think it's because he, you know, he he got in there. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> um, fantasy MVP. Who's going to give the most bang for their buck? I'll go with Evans. After. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably the safest answer. I think that's fair. I am, I'm oddly intrigued by Chris Godwin. I don't know why. I I just I don't know. I feel like he could do some things in this offense. They, I like what you said about the middle of the field being open. Evans and Jackson are both t- big play guys, um, and I think the tight ends will draw some attention. So I'm just I'm interested. 
to keep an eye on that wide receiver three situation for Tampa. Are they hard knocks? Yes, I think so, yeah. Nice. That'll be fun. That'll be fun to fun to keep an eye on that. Yeah, OJ Howard's stock's going to go through the roof. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that. So, get him now if you can. Because I think he's going to be expensive come uh, come August. Let's move over to the Saints. Uh, they made some splashes here in the offseason, trading Brandon Cooks. Um, adding Ted Ginn, Adrian Peterson, and Alvin Kamara to the offense. Definitely a lot to like here in New Orleans, as always. Um, what are your What are your general thoughts on the New Orleans Saints? <clears throat> I think again, like I said when we started, this, uh, this division has. I don't think there's a single team in the division that's not intrigued, and I think this is. Again, another spot that's pretty intriguing. I still think they have two good receivers, even though they let Cooks go. Um, and I think, <coughs> I think adding Peterson's certainly interesting. It's going to be something to track and see what it looks like they're going to do with those two guys between Ingram and uh, Peterson. Um, but yeah, there's, again, a ton of weapons. Yep. Uh, where do you lean in the running back battle? We all know how, we, we at least we think we know how Sean Payton feels about Mark Ingram. But Adrian Peterson, we haven't really seen him at his top level of play in a, in a while. So where do you lean on that running backs? You, you've been another guy that doesn't like Mark Ingram. Uh, where do you stand? I, I remember talking all last year about how out of this world Ingram's receiving stats were and I'm just wondering if he didn't kind of transition more into that role with the addition of Adrian Peterson I feel like he was more effective in the receiving game I feel like that's where a lot of his numbers came from I don't know if that's true uh, but I think that they're going to kind of split the carries I don't think they're going to run Peterson in the ground I think they, they're smart in knowing that there's a lot of a lot of wear on the tires but I think that AP is going to out-carry him, but I don't know if he out-touches because I think Ingram's going to be more involved in the pass game. My only comment on that is then why did they spend a third-round pick on Alvin Kamara, whose specialty seems to be almost like a Darren Sproles type, going back to his old New Orleans days? Well, yeah, I think he'll I think he'll be their third down back, probably. Um, I think he is going to be more of the route runner but I think Ingram will be I think he, when he's on the field it's going to be more like passing situations you know maybe comes in in second and long I could see I could see Peterson being the, being the battering ram on first and ten and you know if it ends up being second and eight I could see Ingram being more involved I don't know if they'll switch them that frequent or how, how they're going to go about it but that's just my thoughts on what they're doing do you think either one of these guys gets to 200 carries? Right now we say no, but we have Peterson at 192. I think it's going to be close. I think I think Peterson gets close. Peterson's your RB2 on draft day. Are you happy or you wish he was a flex? 
at where I stand right now, I think I wish he'd he's a flex. I don't want to invest in that right now, not knowing exactly what the situation is. And I don't know if we will know before the season. Yeah. Yeah, Sean Payton hates your fantasy team. Um, last question, just Michael Thomas. What are your expectations? He was, I think, really sneakily outstanding last year. And I don't think anyone really realized it till like, week 10, 11. Um, but this dude was legit. Can he keep that up? <clears throat> I hope so, because he's my lock for a keeper uh, in our league. I think... I don't know, I've heard some stuff, like, they're so high on him. Like, they're just, like, the way he walks in the building, the way he carries himself, they absolutely love him. So I think he's going to be a focal point. I think he has to be. Um, they're just, they're saying he can do it all, run all the routes, do all the things. So I think it's intriguing. I'm interested to see if he eats up a high volume of targets like we have him right now. Um if he does, I think he's going to be big time. The one thing you said to me privately is we got to address his catch percentage last year. It was around 70%. Um, that's definitely, I think, going to fall down with the number of targets that he's going to see and the fact the league knows him now more than they did last year and not having cooks on the other side. So the targets, I think we're pretty safe on we feel good about the target number we have in there but um we may need to drop the catch percentage down a tick which i think would probably take him out of where we have him right now as the third wide receiver um at the end of the year so just something to something to consider with michael thomas um who's the player you like the most on the saints i'm wondering if you're gonna have the same answer as me In terms of value and where guys are going, I would say it's Willie Sneed. Yeah, that's that's what I think too. Um, I think he's going to be a forgotten name, and I think people forget how good he was at the start of last year until Thomas really emerged and Sneed battled some injuries. This guy's a player, and Drew Brees likes him, so I definitely could see Sneed. Um, being someone that you're really happy about where you get him on draft day. The other guy I think is going unnoted, untalked about at all is Ted Ginn. Yeah. We don't. Do we have any of him? Because he's a best ball guy too. I think one spot we have him. Okay. I just think with me picking Sneed instead of Thomas, I just think with, with where you're getting these two guys – I think there's a lot more room to be disappointed in Thomas uh, than there is to be surprised. I mean, he's like early second, and I think you could easily be disappointed in what he does. Whereas Sneed, the the, the price you're paying for him, you could, there, I think there's a lot more room to be surprised and and him overachieve what you're paying for him. So that's why I go with him being the one I like the most. I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. Um, where do we have Breeze at quarterback? So I want to take a look at that. That Drew Breeze is the seventh quarterback right now. Um, it's pretty safe, right behind Matt Ryan. Um, 
31 touchdowns, just south of 4,900 yards. We have projected for Breeze. We have him with the most passing attempts in the league projected right now. Um, I'd be I'd be definitely thrilled with getting Drew Breeze, I think. I don't know what his draft stock in MFL 10s has not been messy right now, I think. Yeah, I think he's kind of been all over the place. Yeah, right, I think. Huh? You alright? Yeah, why? You look a little flustered. I don't know if I, I don't know if I hit you with a weird question there. Nah, I stepped away for a second. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly where he's been. I think, like I said, I think this defense is still bad, so I think his attempts are still going to be high. I still see them being down 17, 20 points late, and they're just throwing it around all over the place. So, I just feel like he's the forgotten guy at the quarterback position. I mean, you got the top guys we talked about, Rodgers, Luck, Brady, Wilson. People are excited about Winston. People are excited about Mariota and Dalton. And, you know, Kirk Cousins gets some love, too. Derek Carr. Um, guys like Big Ben and guys like Eli and Drew Brees, I think those are the safe guys. You know, they play every week, except, you know, Ben misses one or two. But, um there's just a lot of safety, I think, in taking those guys at the quarterback position in terms of the price that comes with them. Who's the player you like the least on the Saints? I think it's got to be Mark Ingram. Yeah, I mean, where we stand right now, for me, it's a, it's a tie between APs. I just don't know what the situation is. Um, until we get a little more clear in what they're going to do, I, I don't like either one of them. The only reason I lean, I, I, I like Peterson and I'm excited about Peterson is he's never played in an offense where he didn't regularly see eight man fronts, eight men, eight men in the box. He's not going to, you can't do that with New Orleans. Um, and I think he's, he's a prideful guy. I think he's out there, you know, he's going to have something that he wants to prove because I think he's kind of been written off in terms of elite running backs in the league right now. And I think we I think we could see a big, I don't want to call it a breakout season for Peterson, but I think we could see a nice return. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of when he off the ACL. Everyone kind of wrote him off and then the dude just exploded. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think any of us are predicting another 2,000-yard season, but I wouldn't be surprised with... 12, 1,300, and double-digit double digit touchdowns. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, he's been round seven, round eight, in MFL 10s right now, right? Uh, a little before that, I think. More like five, six. I think so, yeah. That's why I'm not... I think if I could get him in seven, I'd jump all over it. Yeah. But nobody get him there. That's kind of the... Seven for me, I think, is kind of the, the round where I'm like, all right, let's let's do it. And I don't think we've had that opportunity. No. Who's the got the most breakout potential in New Orleans? Uh, I mean, I guess even though Thomas broke out last year as a rookie and was good, I think with the heights that he could go, like, I, I mean... So there's a lot of room for him to disappoint, but if he doesn't disappoint to put himself in possibly top five, six wide receivers, I think is huge breakout potential. I'm going to throw out a name, Kobe Fleener. 
right now with big breakout potential. The only reason I say this is because Breeze never had a problem targeting him last year. That was never the issue. The targets were there. The production was just poor. And I think part of that was first year in the new system, and I don't think it's an easy system to pick up in New Orleans. Breeze loves the tight end just as much as Winston does. Um, And I think there's going to be some focus on the running backs, focus on Thomas, and I think we could see Fleener again falling into the top top tier of tight ends into the as a tight end one. I'm not as excited about him as I was last year because he burned me. Um, but I could see his production. I could see him having a breakout season here. Did I sell you on it? No. Is that just because you hate him, or I I I explained that well, right? Yeah, I mean, and we went back and. And he, I mean, the season wasn't awful last year. It just wasn't. It just wasn't as good as what the price tag was. I yeah. think a lot of people were high on him, just assuming it's always been the tight end of New Orleans. Like it's always been something. So, and I think that he didn't didn't really get that uh, price tag fulfilled. So, well, I think he's a candidate for the next question. Who's the fantasy MVP on the Saints? Yeah, because I think he could. I think you could get him as as your tight end. I think you get him round fifteen, and if he returns eight touchdowns, why wouldn't you be excited about that? Yeah, my my he's not my pick. My pick is Adrian Peterson. I okay. I, I really like him in this offense. I just I'm excited to see it. And his price tag may may be more than what I'm comfortable with, um, but I I think the people that take the risk on Adrian Peterson are going to be excited about what they get back. All right, I think I'll go with Drew Brees. That's a good answer too. I think you know you already touched on it where he's going. He's kind of the forgotten guy, and I think he's still. It's just going to be a fantasy All right, let's slide over. Last team in the division we're going to talk about tonight, Carolina Panthers. Um, Cam was poor last year, coming off a year where he was the number one quarterback. I think there's still a path to him being the number one quarterback. But I don't think it's very clear. Um, or as clear as everyone thought it was last year, but there's definitely a path in terms of rushing production, rushing production um, that allows him to be a top two or three quarterback. Everyone else around him, there's question marks though, and I guess I want to hear from you first your thoughts on the running game in Carolina and where you stand on that. I still think it's Stewart. I think Stewart's still a good year. I mean, he seems like he's another one of those guys that's always kind of sneaky good. I know he was down last year, but the year before, I know he was sneaky good uh, for his price tag. Um, the thing that always scares me about him is there's touchdowns being sniped away by Cam inside the five. Um, 
but I still think he's going to get a nice volume. Um, I have him at 224 for carry. So, I think it's still him. I don't think McCaffrey has a big impact this year in terms of the running game. I just don't think he's well-rounded enough to run in between the tackles in the NFL. That's just my personal thought. Am I wrong about this? But when they drafted McCaffrey, didn't they announce him as a wide receiver? I'm not sure. I feel like when Goodell got up there and made the pick, I feel like he announced him as a wide receiver. And I feel like some people made some things of that. Which I, I don't think that's wrong. I think you have to... definitely take that information and do something with it. I'm just not sure what it is yet. Um, Greg Olson? Just a ho-hum season for him? Is that... Yeah, I mean... He just always gets his numbers. I don't ever like the price tag that's on him. I don't a lot of times with tight ends, but... He certainly always gets his numbers. How do you feel about Benjamin? I know we just took him. Uh, did we take him earlier today? We did. Round six? Yeah. It's a good price tag, right? I we, think so. We think so, yeah. I mean, all the stories about his weight, I think <laughs> catch percentage is always down. Seems to always make these miraculous one-handed catches and then drop a slant that hits the breastplate. I think that's always been him. Even back at Florida State, it was the same thing. Wide open, drop it, double coverage, miraculous catch. Um, There's just so much potential. The thing for him, and I don't have it in front of me, but I would be interested to know what his like yards after catch are and his yards after contact. He's not a burner, but there's not a lot of guys on the outside that are going to bring him down one-on-one. He's gigantic. It's just, it's so disappointing because he should be a guy that's so much more fantasy relevant than he is, but he just seems like he can't get it together and can't get himself in shape where he can play every down and run routes full speed all the time. Um, but but that's that's a product of the quarterback he plays with too. If If we switch spots and he's in New Orleans... He's a stud. No? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it might be the worst possible fit for him in terms of who his quarterback is. I mean, yeah, his catch percentage is low, but he ne- there's never any touch on any passes that he receives. Everything's a laser beam. Definitely harder to catch those. Yeah. I, I just want to hear, too, where are you on Cam? Are you, like complete stay away or is there a price that you'd be good with Cam I don't really want him I don't I just I don't I don't think he's good what's his price been in MFL 10s in the early going god if I know I'm honestly trying to log in so I can start looking at this stuff I can't remember my password It's just always logged in on my phone. I'm trying to do it on the laptop. I've never been on there, and it's not working for me. All right. Well, if you can figure it out, uh, I, I'm definitely interested in hearing that. So uh, let's. We talked a little bit about McCaffrey. Um, the other rookie that I just want to briefly mention, Curtis Samuel, Penn State, right? 
Ohio State. Ohio State, sorry. Um, similar skills as McCaffrey. There's definitely something to be excited about with Samuel. I think he's the guy that I'm most intrigued by in Carolina because I have no faith in Devin Funches. That's the hard-hitting analysis you get right here on our podcast. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how polished he is as a route runner. He was he was a slash guy at Ohio State, running back slash receiver. He's going to transition to the slot. Um, if he can turn into a guy that, again, like none of these guys just seem to fit in with Newton and what he does, like. I just don't think he throws a good ball. Like, I, I know I said, like, Curtis Samuel is, like, a guy where if, if he was, like, with Tom Brady, where, like, Tom Brady sees the mismatch and knows what, what is going to be there on an option route, like, I think Curtis Samuel is a guy that can do things against slot corners in the league. But I just don't believe in Cam's ability to see that pre-snap and make the, the read and make the throw. I just, I don't know. This definitely felt like a team that was going to be looking at like a more of a Leonard Fournette type in the draft. I thought that would have been a better fit for them, but they I don't know if they would have went Fournette if the Jaguars didn't take him. I think they were locked in on McCaffrey, and it just seems like an odd fit. But everyone in that organization says that McCaffrey fits exactly what they want to do, but I guess they kind of have to say that. I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but I'm I'm really excited to see what McCaffrey will do in this offense. Them uh, getting these two guys, and I think they need both of them to produce. Because, like you said, Funches, it's just been. I last I remember last year when we did our our post draft podcast. I I think I coined Funches as like the steal of the draft because he was like a one dollar draft guy or something like that or two dollars and I really thought it was like the time for him to take the step because they needed number two so bad but I don't even think he returned equal value at a dollar I think he I think he was negative production yeah um and then you then they had Charles Johnson I mean what does he do I mean (laughs) like be good for like three jet sweeps a game like (laughs) he does he does everything the other guys do well struggle to catch the ball it just doesn't make sense. I mean, you look at McCaffrey, Samuel, and the addition of, of Charles Johnson, and I just I keep thinking in my head, like, are they going to try and make, like, a full transition to, like, the col- college, college ball? <laughs> like, that's all I can see with, what like, the pieces they have. Like, they're going to have to run, like, zone read with McCaffrey and Newton with, like, run pass options on the edge to Samuel. And, like, it's just... It's going to be weird, and <laughs> that all bodes so poorly for Benjamin. Well, it's like you got these two hybrid players, Samuel and McCaffrey, which are the new, I think, future, the new, the new gadget, I guess I should call it, in football. And then you got the early '90s plotter running back Stewart, uh, with the early '90s tight end Olsen with the. Slow, big receiver. It's just a weird team. I I don't think they're going to be very good again this year. I could see them being in the top ten of the draft again next year. Yeah, I'm with you. 
All right. With all that said, and all that those bad things, who are the who's the guy you like the most on the Panthers? Greg because it always seems like no matter what's going on, what's what's happening, he gets his numbers. All right. Well, we talked a little bit about tight ends when we were talking about Howard. Let's go to that top tier: Reed, Olson, Gronk, Kelsey, Walker, Eifert. You you agree with me? That's the top six. Yes. You cool with that? Um, Gronk is the first one off the board in all drafts. We don't have him as our top tight end, but he's the first one off the board in all drafts. Second's Kelsey, and then you may know better than me. Reed's third, I think, right? Yes. And then you have Olsen's probably fourth. Yes. And I, uh, I'm i not sure there's a reason why Gronk and Kelsey are going ahead of Olsen. I agree. I'm not sure if there's a reason why Reed is going ahead of Olsen. I know we have Reed projected for more, um, but that's just, I think, Reed's catch percentage because Cousins, it has a high completion rate and... Scam doesn't. I think that's the only thing. So, you get Olsen fourth, fifth round. That's outstanding. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, yeah. I like Olsen the most, too. Um, but I'm, I'm also okay with the price Kelvin Benjamin's going at right now. But, yeah, I'm definitely agreeing with you that Olsen's the guy you gotta like the most in this offense. Who's the player you like the least? Definitely some candidates here. And Devin Funches is not not an answer cuz I don't I don't think he's draftable. For me it's McCaffrey, it's not close. I can't get behind the price tag of him. Can you give me an idea what that price tag's been? I don't think we talked about that. I'm currently scrolling through. I'm in one of our drafts. I found I can't remember what order we did these drafts in, but I did this current draft, I found Jameis Winston at uh, sixth pick of the eighth round. This month, I feel like this that's a little later than what I've seen lately. McCaffrey, I, not Jameis, right? No, I found that's what I found Winston. I was just kind of jotting down got talked about now that I'm finally logged in and rolling. Um, and I found Breeze at sixth round, fourth pick. I don't know where my cat... I'm looking for Newton. I can't even find him. You gotta scroll down a little bit. That's... Well, keep... I'm actually clicking on the team rosters and trying to find him. That's a Papa Kaz joke, too, whenever someone gets picked. Uh, hold on, I gotta go on my third sheet here to cross the sky off. There's Cam Newton at a 10th round third pick. Wow. I'm okay with that. I'm not... Yeah, in, this, in this format, I think I'm, I'm fine with that. Tenth round? I, I don't want to make weekly decisions on Cam Newton. I watched Papa Cows do it last Well, yeah, and he had Stafford, who was great last year, and he ended up, yeah, painful. Newton's definitely a best ball guy. Um, I never answered this question, though. The player I like the least, and I can't say Devin Funchess. 
God, I want to love McCaffrey. I really want to. Um, what? Don't do it. But I think I like Jonathan Stewart the least. But Jonathan Stewart's the guy that wins you a league. He's almost like think about like Isaiah Crowell last year. Everyone's excited about Duke Johnson and Crowell was just great all year long and Stewart has yet to give anyone a reason to not stay on him. But yet he's a guy I just don't want any parts of. Is that yeah. is that wrong? Am I am I way off base there? No, it's fair. We took him in one league, but I think it was like late, like third, fourth running back, where it was just like looking for a guy that could you know get you two touchdowns a week. So I just found McCaffrey at a third round eighth pick. That's insane. And I mean, Marshawn Lynch went four point oh seven. I'm trying to look at some guys that went in the fourth round. Travis Kelsey went 4.03. I just don't... I mean, this is a PPR league, but... How, like, how many balls is he really going to catch? Carlos Hyde went 4.11. Terrell Pryor, 4.06. Like, Pryor's going to catch more balls than McCaffrey. Yes. <laughs> like, what, is, what else is McCaffrey going to do? Tote the ball, like, five or six times for four or five yards a clip? Yeah. Is he going to get you like 30, 40 rushing yards a game and like five catches at best? What kind of a, what kind of an end zone, like what kind of a, I always say there's guys that have a nose for the end zone. Was he that guy in college? You know the college game more than me. I honestly didn't watch him play a lot. That's fine. Being on the West Coast, I just, I don't know. I felt like all of his plays were huge, monster plays. I think the other reason that they got him and took, I think he's going to be part of their special teams. Yeah, he's a home run hitter from back there. Yeah. So, I think that's, maybe that's another reason why they really wanted to target him. I think maybe part of that is looking at getting themselves some better starting field position. They, I don't think they've ever had a game breaker in that in that realm of the, the game before that I can that I can remember at least. Ted Ginn, I think, returned to punch for them. Yeah, and I mean he was he was okay. Yeah, he's good. Here's McCaffrey at a four point oh four. Yeah, I'm, I'm alright with that. If you want to take a shot, you know, if you're gonna throw a bunch of NFL tens out there, then yeah, I'm okay with making McCaffrey a fourth round pick in one of them just so you can get a share of it. I think we we just applied that strategy to Joe Mixon in this last draft, even though we didn't love the price. Yeah, but I like what we did around him. We've minimized our risk big time. I, I do. I do like that how that team started. Um, back with Lynch, we started with Howard and Julio. Yeah. And I'll take that shot on Mixon when you can get that yeah. that security behind him. Who's got the most breakout potential in Carolina? Yeah, we came off the rails there a little bit. Huh? <laughs> ah. Breakout on. potential in Carolina. I guess. <laughs> I hate him all. <laughs> I guess I'll go with Benjamin because I feel like he hasn't reached his potential yet. And it's killing him in drafts. We just got him in the sixth round. You couldn't, uh, I, I mean, our first 
our first season was the year he blew his knee out, and I think he went for twenty two dollars. Yeah, he was he, he was that product of the who has a ton of money at the middle part of the draft though in that draft. Yeah, it was part of that, but it was also like there was also like three guys that were going after him saying like I'll keep him, I'll keep him for next year, I'll keep him. Oh for next yeah, year. yeah. That was like the big thing. Cause Shit, yeah. Like, so that's just where he was. What that was two years ago. That was after his rookie year. That was the first season that we had in our league. Yeah, and then I mean, you look at the fact that people were willing to pay for him when he wasn't even going to play to keep him. Well, Shane Shane drafted him, and immediately I think week four or five turned him into Frank Gore, like yeah. as a trade chip. Right. Um, he just never has reached his potential. You would have never thought about him being a six round guy a year ago. Most breakout potential for me. You got to say McCaffrey, I think, too. I'm not saying that I believe it, but I think the potential for him to break out is high just because seventh seventh overall pick, they did it for a reason, and I just want to see it. I want to see it put into fruition. Um, fantasy, fantasy MVP for the Panthers. That would be awesome. I mean, he's the only guy that I think has through and through fantasy potential and, you know, reaching the price tag and things like that. I'm going to say Cam just because, you know, if you get him in the 10th round, that probably means that you built up your running back, tight end, receiver, and if you're able to get a player who has a top five quarterback ceiling in round 10, 11, um, then I think you've done a nice job constructing your team. He's not the person that I would target on that team because I think, well, I guess maybe you're you're willing, you're able to take more chances if you have nice depth around the quarterback position. But I will say that if I went with Cam in round 10, I'd probably take my second quarterback the next round and get a safer guy. So I think I think Cam's gonna return the most value on this te- on this team. I just looked last year I looked up some stuff from last year. The the article said Calvin Benjamin's coming off in regular leagues at after the third round. That's where he was last year. And now he's slotted as ADP of, like, wide receiver 20-32. Where do we have him on our wide receiver ranks? I think we have him at 21. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I like Jeffrey better than him. I like Devontae Adams better than him. There's some guys we have below him that I like better than him. Um, but I think right now the guaranteed targets for him are are pretty clear. He's been a big yards per catch guy too. I think, yeah, that's why I said I would like to see what his like yards after contact and yards after catch are because I feel like he doesn't run deep routes, but I feel like he's always going to get you five or six after the catch because corners just can't tackle him alone. Yeah. 
he's kind of the hold on to an ankle and wait for the safety to get there and help you. He gets the benefit, too, of Cam being elusive in the pocket and being able to break off some routes, and they seem to have good chemistry together in that sense. Anything else on the NFC South before we wrap this up tonight? I don't think. I like... I was thinking, like, division... How this division goes out, not really fantasy relevant, but I think I... I think I like Tampa to take the lead and win this division. I like I like New Orleans right now. Um, it's hard to hard to go away from Atlanta, but this has been one division where it seems like it's hard to win it two years in a row. But um, I could see New Orleans doing some things. I, I like what they. It's always going to be a question in terms of defense for them, though. So we'll see. All right, that wraps up the NFC South first podcast of the 2017-18 season for Red Triangle Sports. Don't know who we'll do next, um, but I'm sure we'll have something out here. Got a couple days off work for the holiday, so I'm sure we'll get some things in. Uh, get another one out here soon. Is there is there a division that you want to do next? I haven't thought that far ahead. All right, well, when, uh, when we know, you guys will know because there'll be a podcast out there, so... Thank you to the Steel Curtain, Eddie Mitchum, joining me tonight. Um, getting our getting our first podcast in here for 2017. I'm your host, the Denver Desert Dog, Matt Kozlowski. Thanks for checking in with us at Red Triangle Sports. Going to get the Twitter back up and going here, at Red Triangle 23. Make sure you guys follow that um, for some of our latest updates. Thanks, have a good night, and we will talk to you guys soon.